Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest today is Josh Abdullah. Josh currently leads the Global Customer Solutions Group and LiveRamp after spending nearly 20 years in the tech industry, including stints at Salesforce, Exact Target, Model N, and Singlecast Technologies, where he was one of the first 10 employees and helped to position the company for eventual acquisition by HP. Josh is really actively involved in the local tech scene as a member of the faculty for the University of Colorado. He's a mentor at Techstars, an investor and advisor in several startups, and a volunteer as a technology consultant at Protect Our Winners. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Would love to hear a little bit about uh, what you're up to today with LiveRamp, and then we can talk about some of the other things you've been doing in Colorado Tech. Yeah, sure. So I actually came to LiveRamp now about a year and a half ago. And for those that aren't familiar with LiveRamp, LiveRamp's pretty well known in the ad tech ecosystem. It's also been flying under the radar the last few years. We might be the largest 1,500 person, $400 million revenue, $4 billion market cap company that, that folks might not have heard of. But prior to my joining, we had no professional services uh, function. And for a large SaaS company, um, especially one that has over 800 customers like we do, to not have that nice value-added services component is, is can be a little bit challenging for our customers that are really trying to push the envelope. So I came on board a year and a half ago from Salesforce, where I spent the last 10 years at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, um, helping to build up their customer success and services function to essentially kick off that business here. And that's what we've been doing for the last 18 months. It's been a wild ride. We've grown to well over 50 employees. We, uh, we just had our, our last record-breaking quarter. I can't give too many details uh, right now on, on that, but we're incredibly excited about what we've been able to achieve and the growth. And yeah, it's, it's been really, really fun. That's awesome. And I know aside from, from LiveRamp and staying busy with that and, and Salesforce before, you've had your hands in a number of things in the local tech community. I've been in, in Boulder now since 2015. And, and one of the first things that I did when I, when I got to Boulder was try to immerse myself in Techstars and the University of Colorado, which are two great institutions locally here. So, you know, with Techstars, I started mentoring with them, uh, I think in 2017, and have uh, gotten in touch and, and, and advised a number of companies, as well as uh, started teaching an entrepreneurial class at CU for the last two, two and a half years. Uh, and it's been really great. The, uh, the ecosystem here is amazing. I, I came to Boulder by way of New York, uh, and I was in New York during the Silicon Alley days and remember what that excitement was like. Wasn't quite sure I'd ever be able to experience that again. And, and the reality is, is that's exactly what we've got going on here in, in the Boulder and Denver area. To that effect, I think that's where you and I initially met, right? Was around a Techstars company uh, that we both got involved with, Suna, a few years back. Yeah. Suda is killing it right now. It's you know, and I think when you talk about what Liz is up to, I love reading all of her LinkedIn posts. She's such an incredible leader, uh, and has such great you know kind of philosophies on how to lead people and and, and things to be focusing on. I, I, it's it's been really great to see see the wild ride that Suna's had so far. So Josh, as someone who's been in the the Colorado ecosystem for about six seven years, moving in 2015 here. Would love your take on how the ecosystem has changed 
over the last handful of years and what you've seen and what you're excited about? Yeah, so it's interesting. My my foray into the ecosystem here has been primarily around the, the enterprise software companies that I worked for, right? So I came here working for Salesforce. When I came here in 2015, there was probably about two or 300 Salesforce people here. We had a small office off McClassland. And now you go downtown and there's a Salesforce tower there, right? And not only is there a Salesforce tower there, there's a Slack building. If you drive you know, down Valmont in Boulder, there's, there's a building with Splunk's logo on it. Uh, and so w- when you consider the fact that, yeah, there's this great entrepreneurial ecosystem here, but there's also just a ton of established companies that back in 2015, when I, when I joined here, there really wasn't that. Yeah, there was the Oracle campus. There was return path, right, that you would see on 36. But now you're seeing all of the major players establishing HQ2s here, which I think is, is really incredible. And, and I think what that does is it also helps to feed the entrepreneurial ecosystem that we have here. So as a lot of these businesses are starting to mature out of the seed stage and moving into the hyper growth stage, there's now a, a really great large talent pool from these more established companies that they can draw from. Uh, to help them, you know, get to that next level, which in my opinion, in, in 2015, 2016, that wasn't there. And so a lot of that growth of of these companies was was really due to their own organic ability to recruit folks that might or might not have done it before. What we're seeing now is an acceleration of these companies because there is such a great ecosystem to draw from. Yeah. And Josh, that, that's that's interesting you bring that up. That's something we stress with our founders too is, you really have to make sure you find A-level talent at the exec level to scale your company and grow it, right? And that's a big place range is focused on helping them identify what it looks like and also sourcing that as well, too, to your point. As you fast forward, maybe for the next five years, what are you excited about in the ecosystem here? You know, boy, that's a really great question. There, There is so much here across such a wide variety of of industries that we're focused on. So when you when you think about like Silicon Alley back in the day, it was a lot of Martech, a lot of ad tech. Um, you know, when you think about uh, Denver Boulder, however, uh, we have got you know companies that are focused on ad tech. We have companies that are focused on health tech. We have companies that are focused on fintech, on HR tech. I mean, it is the full gamut. It is not just focused in one specific area. And as a result, I think what we're going to see is, um, you know, not just one or two unicorns, but multiple unicorns across a wide variety of different industries. And when you think about that, there's only a handful of markets in this country that have that, right? You've got that in, in San Francisco, obviously. You've got that in Seattle. You've got that in New York. You've got that in Austin. I mean, we are truly becoming one of those types of ecosystems. Uh, not just focus in a specific area, but just a broad swath of, of of software, enterprise software, all the way down to consumer-based software. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, Josh, that's a question that that we get from people: is oh, what industry is Denver, you know, strongest in, or where is it focused? And, and I give a very similar answer to you: is we actually have deep pockets of talent and, and even deeper pockets developing in a bunch of different industries. In categories and and as an investor in some ecosystem, that really excites me for two reasons. One, we're not reliant on one specific industry. If it falls out of favor, right? Oh no, the whole tech ecosystem here blows up. And second, 
I think really interesting ideas often happen at the intersection of different industries and different technologies, right? And so I think as those continue to grow, it's that cross-pollination that leads to sort of, you know, really killer and breakthrough companies. So I love the diversity we have in, in industries here in the Colorado ecosystem. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, I think if you were to rewind 20 years ago, people say, well, you really want to go deep in a particular industry because then you create this huge pool of talent that's so awesome in that specific industry. Well, that's great to start out with. And I would argue probably that's what we had in some parts of Tyler. Like when you look at all of the email related companies, your send grids of the world, your return paths, or all of the data driven companies like data logics, et cetera. But the fact that we've been able to grow well beyond that is, is uh, I think, bodes very well for our future. Totally agree. So, so just aside from LiveRamp and, and you mentioned Suna before that we're all excited about, any company uh, locally that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I have seen the growth of a company called Cure.Health over the last three years. And I think, Adam, you, you're probably familiar with Ash and, and that team over there. So it's, it's kind of funny. I, I met Ash, who is their CTO. Uh, I met him. He reached out to me on LinkedIn. We had both overlapped at Salesforce, but never worked together. And uh, he reached out to me and said, hey, I, I see you are, I, I was still at Salesforce. Now I see you're at Salesforce. You know, I've got some questions about Salesforce Marketing Cloud on a project I'm working on. It's like, oh, okay, well, let's meet up. And so we, we met up at, uh, at Techstars in Boulder and he started talking and told me about what they were up to, which was creating, you know, a customer engagement platform specifically focused for healthcare providers. I thought to myself, okay, so you're basically trying to create an industry-specific Salesforce marketing cloud that can be leveraged by hospitals and, and doctors. And he said, yeah. And I said, hmm, why don't you just use Salesforce marketing cloud for it? And he gave me a whole bunch of really interesting reasons. But the most important reason was that what they needed to build needed to be purpose built for healthcare. It's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I've been able to see this company grow from Ash and his two co-founders and a handful of folks I think they've got well over 55 people now. I think they just closed on another round. And what's most exciting about it is the way that they actually built this company. They built it first by creating a consulting business around what they wanted to do, implementing Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and then essentially moving those customers onto their own proprietary technology, which was purpose-built for exactly what they needed to do. It was probably one of the most efficient means of building a company. And unlike a lot of the other startups that I've, I've seen, they never went through that period of time of, what are we trying to do? How are we gonna get product market fit? They were able to establish themselves as a company, go raise a round of money, go generate significant revenue, um, in a, in a very totally different way. That's awesome. Yeah. I love what those guys are doing for sure. So Josh, we'd love to jump into your biggest lesson. So you've had a lot of experience growing, scaling, fast growing tech companies, and I'm sure you've learned a lot of different lessons along the way, but we'd love to hear what your biggest lesson you've learned and how you've learned it. Yeah. I'll, you know what? I'll start out with just a little bit of history. So kind of how I got to Colorado, because, because the lesson kind of weaves into that. So I, I'm originally born and raised in Indiana, uh, so I, I, I like to consider my, I, my my folks immigrated from India in the '60s. They they decided to land in Indiana, so I'm an, I'm an Indian from Indiana. You know, when I graduated from Indiana, my, my brother went to Purdue, right? 
you know, he moved to San Francisco. I moved to New York. So we kind of moved as diametrically far away from, from Indiana as we could. And the reality is if, if I would have graduated from IU today, I probably would have stayed in Indianapolis. A great ecosystem, tech ecosystem out there. I, I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of what's going on out there. But back in 99, you know, there wasn't a lot going on. And so when I graduated from college, I, I went back to Indianapolis and I got a job at a small web design firm. And one of the sales guys was like, Josh, I can just tell you, you need to get out of here. You need to go do something. And so he connected me with the guy that he went to high school with, who was a brand manager over in Procter & Gamble. I said, this guy is starting a company, don't know anything about it, but they're looking for a director of technology and, and they're going to move the company to New York. And of course, I heard one thing, they're moving the company to New York. So I met I met this guy, his name's Steve and, and his co-founder, Ned, at a Cracker Barrel in Shelbyville, Indiana, which is halfway between Indianapolis and, and Cincinnati. And they put this 50-page business plan on the on the table and said, this is what we're going to do. And what they wanted to do was create new product introduction, uh, so NPI uh, for the for the consumer packaged goods industry. Uh, and they wanted to do that, you know, leveraging a, a internet, internet-based platform. So new product launch solutions on the internet. Back in 99, that could mean a billion different things, right? <laughs> so I read the, read the uh, um, business plan, had no idea what, what it meant. Did not understand anything at all. Again, all that I figured was I'm going to be in New York in six months. So travel to Cincinnati, go sleep on this guy's you know couch for two months, and then we move move out to New York. I uh, all that I could afford at the time was a uh, a basement apartment in Queens, and I had to take the uh, E train in every day, uh, thirty minutes into the office. And within six months, that company was out of money and and folded, and I was left in New York, and I had nothing to do. <laughs> And so what do I do? I call up my friends in India and I said, what should I do? And they said, there's this company called Aprimo. And Aprimo was uh, an enterprise marketing management company, EMM. It was probably one of the first MarTech companies out there. And I said, hey, I, I could use a job. And they hired me as their first professional services consultant. And that's how I got into professional services. That's how I got into enterprise software. And I worked there for five years. And when it came time for me to, 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 to leave the company and go do something else, uh, the CEO of the company, a guy named Bill Godfrey, who's really well known in the Indianapolis tech world, uh, Bill said, Josh, are you sure you want to go? And I said, yeah, I really, really want to go. And he said, Josh, there's one thing I want to tell you, one piece of advice. What is it? So, Josh, don't look at your world and don't look at what you've achieved in six month increments or one year increments. Look at it in five year increments. Five years is really critical. Why five years? Five years gives you the ability to really look back and determine if you've accomplished something. If you've accomplished something in six months, you didn't really accomplishment, you did it. <laughs> A true accomplishment, something that takes foundation, planning, effort, time, consensus building, that's a long journey. So always look at something within five years. All right, that was great. And that that's kind of partially into the piece of advice that I'm going to get to. And I know it's a long and involved story. So, all right. So fast forward uh, 10 years, my my then girlfriend, now wife has moved in with me. We're living in a studio apartment in, in Gramercy in New York, about a 380 square foot studio apartment. And it was a really, really tough place to live when you don't have a single door. Finally, my wife said, I am leaving unless we move to at least a one bedroom, right? I don't even have a door to slam in your face. So, so like, okay. So we move out to Long Island City. We rent a one bedroom apartment 
And at the exact same time, my wife has this crisis like, you know what? I don't like what I'm doing anymore. I, I don't want to be in real estate. I want to go do something else. And she decided she wanted to go back to school to be an occupational therapist, to which I said, great. Does that mean we don't have to live in New York anymore? Because I was really getting tired of living in New York. So that's about 2015. She said, yeah. She said, okay, great. I'm going to go back to school. I said, let's move to Boulder, Colorado. So we moved to Boulder, Colorado. And it was one of the best moves we could have. It was just amazing. Monica gets into Regis to get a to, to become an occupational therapist. And she's still in school today, finishing up that degree. And then fast forward two years, I put my computer on my desk. I walk over to my uh, couch to put on my tennis shoes and uh, to go hike up Sinitas, which is what you do at three o'clock in the afternoon in, in Boulder. And I hear this bang and all of a sudden a Honda Pilot drives right through my desk, right into my living room. It was a near-death experience. I mean, it was, an, it, it was incredible. And it was, thankfully, nobody was hurt. Somehow I escaped with just minor scratches. But I had some major PTSD over it. Thankfully, again, no one was hurt. But that leads into kind of the second part of, of my biggest lesson, which is immediately after that, my wife and I realized we need to go see a counselor because this is going to have some long-lasting effects. So we started seeing this marriage counselor. And the very first thing she made us do is to take what's known as an Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with an Enneagram test, but it's really interesting. I'm a big proponent of it. Go look it up if you're not familiar with what it is. Yep, I'm, a, yeah. I'm an eight. Hey, guess what? Me too. Here you go. <laughs> Adam, are you a two? <laughs> if you haven't taken one, go for it. Haven't ta- I haven't taken it, but it's a, the first thing I'm going to do as soon as we, we, we finish this up. <laughs> and what the Enneagram does, and, and you know, there's a lot of different personality tests out there, but what, what it does is it helps you understand who you truly are, right? And so I'm going to connect all of these dots together now, which is the biggest lessons I've learned is that being one's true authentic self is a lifelong, ever-changing journey, and it requires acceptance. It requires acceptance that who you are today is likely very different than who you were before, five years ago, 10 years ago. And, and who you're going to be is going to be very different from who you are now. However, once you get that acceptance that who you are is going to change, then you can truly learn to know yourself. And there are aspects of yourself that likely will not evolve or you don't have as much control over. You have control over your physical self, right? You can go to the gym and you can work out and all of those types of things. You have a little bit of control over your projected self, right? Which is who you want to be, where you want to go, what are the types of things you want to do. But in terms of your emotional self, you really don't have a lot of control over that. And things like the Enneagram or or those types of exercises are so critical to figure those things out because once you gain acceptance, then you have the true ability to be your authentic self. And I didn't realize that until a car drove through my <laughs> my house and, and it put me in this emotional state that was something that I had never experienced before. Whether you want to call it PTSD, whether you want to call it something else. And so seeing this counselor and really understanding how one's brain works in the types of things you can control versus the types of things that you can't, the types of things you have to potentially mask versus the types of things you can just let out there. Those are all things you have to accept about yourself. And that, in my opinion, is what allows you to bring your authentic self 
and, and probably the most important lesson I've learned over the last several years. Well, Josh, we'll have to do part two of this podcast once Adam takes the Enneagram test and learns what he is. And then we then we can dissect our relationship and how it works together. But but really interesting lesson about, you know, learning who, who you truly are. Would love to understand now that, that you, you know that about, about yourself and sort of embrace this lesson. How do you apply that both professionally and personally going forward? In terms of how you apply it professionally, everyone around you whether you realize it or not, can tell if you're being yourself. It's very hard uh, to, to bring yourself to work and to act like somebody that you, that you truly aren't, and people not realize that. Now, yeah, there are people that do that for a living. They're called actors. <laughs> but for the most part, the folks that are the most authentic and can truly be themselves at work, it's very obvious that they're doing that, and people gravitate towards those people. And so that's what I've always tried to do is be that authentic self. And, and so a lot of that is when, when you have relationships with people at work and you're attempting to be yourself, that means being vulnerable, talking about the things that potentially might be challenging to you. For me, the last 11 months has been incredibly challenging as we've been raising a brand new baby. I talk a lot about that at work. When I have bags under my eyes with my team, I tell them, yeah, Yogi was up uh, last night for, for several hours and I had to change a lot of diapers and I might not be the easiest to deal with. And if I snap, it's probably because of that, right? And just truly allowing who I am intrinsically in myself project out to the, to the folks that I'm working with and, and people appreciate that. On a, on a personal level, being your authentic self with your friends, with the people that you love, with your family. Again, it all is about being able to communicate in a way that allows folks to understand what's going on with you so that if you come across in a way that might be potentially off-putting or challenging, they give you the benefit of the doubt. They understand that you're just being yourself at that moment in time and that potentially you might need a little space and that's okay. You know, Josh, it's really interesting. Hopefully you don't have another car drive into your, uh, your your house anytime soon. But how do you, you know, clearly, I think from your lesson, you you anticipate that there will be things that happen to you in the future that make you a different person that really change your outlook on, on things. Um, how has that changed how, you, how you've approached your career and thought about your career as you've made different leaps from, you know, one company to, to another? That's a great question. When I was young, I always said to myself, hey, I'm going to be the CEO of a company that I start and I'm going to grow this company. It's going to be massive and it's going to be large. And that was an example of my projected self. That's what I wanted to go achieve. And as my careers progress, what I realized is that, you know, what I'm really good at is, is working within the context of an established company and, and growing something within those companies and seeing that you know, evolve and mature and getting that, those entrepreneurial chops and get and building that muscle through that capability. Uh, and so one of the things that's really changed and evolved for me is kind of moving away from that desire of going to go start something from scratch and building it as many of the folks that we talk to and work with on a daily basis have done so successfully, but instead doing that within the context of, of an established company and helping potentially an entrepreneur grow what they've already built to the next level versus focusing on starting my own thing and really accepting that because so much of my DNA and what I wanted to do was to be that entrepreneur that was able to go start something from scratch and build it. 
and actually accepting, hey, I can actually add a ton of value to companies uh, that have already done that. And, and I don't necessarily need to make that part of who I am in my DNA. I can actually evolve to be somebody that's going to help somebody else, uh, somebody else and to build their thing versus feeling like I need to own it myself. And, and being able to be accepting of that uh, has been a, a great journey for me. And it's, it's allowed me to, to just feel more comfortable with who I am and what I've achieved. I think that's great, Josh. You know, it's interesting on the acceptance thing. It's one of the things that we coach founders with a lot that maybe especially our first time founders and they're saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to go build this company. I've never done that before. How do you do it? They go look at blogs, they read books. That's great. But at the end of the day, you need to know who you are, right? What your strengths are. Yeah, you can incorporate things from others, but ultimately accepting those core strengths and the fact that the company is going to be built in that image is going to be critical for success. You can't fundamentally change um, who you are. Yeah, exactly. Josh, thanks so much for coming on. This was a fantastic lesson and really you know, happy to have you as part of the community and, and doing all the work that you're doing with so many great up and coming companies here. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it.